The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Winkly Podcast. It is me, your managing editor, Nick Hausman, joined here as I am every Thursday, noon Eastern, live on the Wrestling Inc. YouTube channel. It is Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to the Winkly. Good day. Good day to you, my friend. Yes, and if you are watching us live, thank you very much. I want to remind you, of course, this show is also available in audio-only podcast form. Go over to iTunes, subscribe to Wrestling Inc. Audio. You don't just get the news discussion you're about to hear on the live stream with Justin and I. You also get all kinds of bonus uh, interviews and other audio clips. Uh, for example, today, it's Thursday. It's our last show of the week. We've got a new schedule Tuesday through Thursday with the Winkly. I like to, I like to play around. I like to have more fun. I like to over-deliver on the last show of the week. So if you're listening to podcast form later in the show, you're also going to get me chatting with Brody King, as well as an interview uh, Wrestling Inc.'s Andy Malnoski did with Mongo McMichael. But that is not all. You are also going to get at the end of the show the audio from the acceptance speeches we got from Impact Wrestling superstars Tessa Blanchard and LAX, including Conan, for their year-end awards we presented to them uh, on behalf of Wrestling Inc. And also returning to the show, and he will be back every Thursday going forward, we are going to have a Views from the Turnbuckle audio edition segment featuring Jesse Collings, and uh, later Jesse and I are going to talk Wrestle Kingdom, the UK scene, uh, AEW roster, and a lot more. So, Tons to get to here, but right now it's me and you, Justin. And man, you know, I like these three days a week shows because I try to tell people so much news is happening right now. You, like a week, like a once a week show will not do. And this past 24 hours has seen what I think is the beginning of what is going to become a regular thing, which is, you know, guys from WWE, ladies from WWE wanting out, exploring their options, AEW. Uh, very interesting time here right now, Justin. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's 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 kind of what we, uh, f- you know, forecasted that would happen, uh, especially right after the rally. And we said, okay, you know, this this is legitimate. Look at who they got. They got Jericho, and you know, the and, and you know, you, you could just tell that you know this was you know going to be something that was be well funded and well committed to. And that was what we all kind of figured as well. You know, that now the situation, the leverage, if you will, that WWE has is not so mighty um, with the large talent pool. Uh, that, that they have in terms of what the talent's going to want to do or if they're happy where they're at and how they're being used. And it, you know, you're right, in the last, just in the last 24 hours since you and I talked yesterday, um, it's, it's looking, looking very interesting. I guess, again, I, we've, the theme is just going to keep saying 2019. This is just going to be one of those years. You know, 96 was a big year. 
and wrestling, obviously, Hogan, NWO, and all and all that stuff, and 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 start start to rise with Stone Cold. Oh one was a big year, purchasing WCW, ECW going away. I have a feeling twenty nineteen is going to be another one of those pivotal years. Yeah, I think so. Uh, let's get to what we are kind of beating around the bush here about. So there were uh, five talents total, but three acts from the WWE in the last twenty four hours that word has gotten out have asked for their release or maybe looking to get out of their wwe contract so let's start with number one i think the biggest one of the names that uh, dropped the past 24 hours pwinsider.com reporting dolph ziggler has turned down an agent position at wwe and he could be leaving the company soon uh some people that i'm guessing mike johnson has talked to uh say he could be done as soon as january 31st others say he could stay it is interesting to note Dolph Ziggler has changed his name over on social media to Nick Nimeth, which is his actual name. Uh, this would be a big one, Justin. I, I, I don't if if Dolph Ziggler and Kenny Omega, if their contracts both come up on the same day, January thirty first, that's a huge double get for AEW if they can start February off like that. Well, and that's assuming that Dolph Ziggler goes to an AEW or wants to. I mean, here's a guy, look, who, you know, but here's a guy who, look, he's been wrestling for a long time, uh, works his ass off. I'm sure his body would like a break. He's he's got other things going on, comedy, political commentary and such. Sure. The, The name change on social media is a big deal because he's not the only one. There's actually several current uh, male and female talents in WWE who, who, while their handle their at handle might represent and reflect their character. They do still put their real name in there. And you know that, that usually is a sign of keeping themselves, uh, keeping their real name, the name that they own, the name that Vince can't bog down and, 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 and legally hold. It's keeping their real name out there for other endeavors, other possibilities. So the fact he's changing the name, the fact that um, PW Insider is hearing what they're hearing, you know, you know when there's smoke, there's fire. That probably does mean uh, it probably is the beginning of the end. We've, we've long speculated where you know Dolph Ziggler, I think I feel like the rumor's been out there for like three or four years that he's almost done. He's almost done, and then he sticks around. Uh, but now with a name change, with another company in the fold, if he did want to go wrestle, and maybe just a lighter schedule, or just just go where the grass is different. Maybe it's not even greener, but just just different. Maybe he just wants to go to different grass. Uh, this would be the time. Yeah, you know Dolph Ziggler. I feel like the entirety I've been covering pro wrestling. Uh, there's always kind, of, and at least as long as Dolph has been in WWE the past five six years. This story has been ever going. Is Dolph going to stay or go? This comes up regularly, every year, every six months sometimes, that this guy is going to leave, and he's never left. So my gut instinct when I see Dolph Ziggler maybe leaving is that he probably won't. He seems like a bit of a lifer. But if he were, if it wasn't his gut and he saw opportunity, I mean, AEW to me just seems like the most likely choice because – it's a group of guys that felt like they were overlooked that never got their moment. And now they're trying to take it for themselves. He seems like he'd fit in well there. And I look at, you know, ring of honor, you know, the guys they're picking up PCO Brody King. These are hot, young up and comers. You know, they haven't really gone and tried to court anybody that's come from WWE for a long time, other than bully Ray, who's done a great job, but I think that's special case. Um, And then you got new Japan, right? And later in the show here, when you hear Jesse and I in the um, views from the turnbuckle, we talk a lot about the state of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and Jay White is the leader of Bullet Club. You know, if Dolph Ziggler was to go to to New Japan Pro Wrestling, I mean, you think about the lineage of guys that have been the leader of Bullet Club, right? Finn Balor, AJ Styles, Kenny Omega. You know, Dolph Ziggler, you know, they, they're kind of lacking that big-name power at the top of Bullet Club right now in Jay White. It hasn't resonated, I think, the same way. 
you know, fantasy booking here, if you're looking at realistically what would Dolph's options be, he would he, that would be a position I could see him if if it was an opportunity offered to him taking seriously. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think AEW. If we're talking about AEW and New Japan, are probably the only two realistic options, uh, just based upon money. I mean, Dolph Ziggler, he's been in WWE for a long while. He's getting paid very well. It's a it's an amount that I don't think ROH would pay him or could pay him. <clears throat> AEW with the, the backing they have financially, and then of course New Japan, they're probably the only two. And then you go, okay, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I can't speak for Dolph Ziggler. But, you know, does does he want to spend? X amount of weeks and months a year in Japan. I don't know. You know, I I don't know. So that that comes into play. I I, I would think just guessing based upon looking from the outside, knowing we know about him, that AEW would be the best fit if he wanted to go to another wrestling company because lighter schedule from what we're gonna what we're understanding. It's in the United States. It sounds like it'll give him plenty of time and freedom to still do his other endeavors that he's put investment in, which he could use his real name for. Which you know again, yeah. the name change. So I mean, I you know AEW would be the most from what we know about him, what we think we know would be the most realistic. And, and you know, look at the, the makeup of these guys, right? The Bucks and Cody. I mean, these are these are entrepreneurs, you know. They haven't just been wrestlers. I mean, these guys have video series. They have cigar companies, wine companies, T-shirt companies. You know, that's very much in line. You know, you put over all the projects that Dolph Ziggler has. Again, you know, just looking at the options, that seems like a crew of people that he would be interested in working with, you know, and not even to mention Chris Jericho, who I know he's had some great bouts with uh, over the years as well. So. And not to mention then when you start to look down the rumor mill and you start to think about like, <clears throat> you start to speculate, okay, who would be somebody when their deal with WWE is up, you know, I, I, a common name. I don't think he's past his peak because he's still actually so young, relatively speaking, is a Zack Ryder. Everybody says, "Oh, you know what? You know, could a Zack Ryder do something?" And Zack Ryder and Dolph Ziggler are very good friends. So you know, you know so the, so you re- you start going down the wormhole of like piecing people together, and it's it's a very uh, very interesting diagram Zach, you start coming up with. Zack Ryder seems way too happy <clears throat> with, with his lot in WWE right now. You know, he gets to wrestle. He had his WrestleMania moment. They gave him that big ladder match win with his dad, the IC title. Right, and now he just gets to talk about action figures all day with Kurt Hawkins, and that's and and, to do. and and his um and his girlfriend now has been signed to the company. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I don't see Zach budging. Dolph could be a different situation here, but let's move down the list. Uh, so that was a PW Insider report. Now we'll go to a Wrestling Observer report here, saying the revival has asked for their WWE releases. The team asked for their releases immediately. Follow uh, uh, reportedly asked for their releases immediately following the lucha house party match on raw the two have been on screen as of late talking about how there's a conspiracy against them and uh according to the report this uh the releases of course have not yet been granted and i saw at wrestle votes was, was chiming in on this on twitter as well you know it's it's a very difficult time right now to get these releases granted it doesn't sound like they'd want to let anybody go with any kind of credibility knowing the current climate here and, and same would go for a revival i would imagine yeah and, and obviously again you know as you just said you know it's all granting releases wwe has the right to hold them until the contract is up uh and that's where you start to wonder you know you, you start to wonder uh, how important is morale to wwe's management because on the one hand you can <clears throat> make these guys and girls honor the contract they've signed and not let them just go out and be free and then presumably go to an aew or somewhere else as competition uh, but at the same time, if you, you know, while there's maybe more interest than ever now of exploring options from an entire locker room, uh, if you do decide to just keep all these people who are, who are, you know, bluntly telling you that they're unhappy 
and you do decide to keep all of them on this this rigorous traveling circus that is WWE, you, you start to think, AKA, what's the morale? B, what message is this sending to the other talents who may be happy right now, but things can change? You know, so I, you know, I, I don't know what the right answer is. I'm, I'm not WWE management. That's that's a that's a hard that's a hard one to answer. But um, you know, there's obviously a little bit of history between the revival and the Young Bucks for those who follow. Yep. Um, the the the, the being the elite series and and the mm-hmm. stuff on the internet. So uh, again. Timing. Timing is everything right now. F the revival, Justin. F. I'll clean it up and here. For this well, and I, and, I, and I said on my podcast, Wrestling Reality, and I said uh, on Twitter even before that this past Monday, I said I said this on Monday, not knowing what we, what we reportedly think we know now, which I tweeted on Monday saying, I can definitely see the revival one day being in AEW. They'll be called hashtag FTR, and it'll be a case of you use your own interpretation of what FTR means in AEW, uh, kind of similar to when the uh, – New Age Outlaws and TNA were the Voodoo Kid Mafia, VKM. Oh, Vincent Kenny McMahon. Who could ever forget VKM and Impact Wrestling? Oh, wait, I had it until you brought it up just then. Uh, that wasn't, in fact, a thing. And these are this is a great example of guys with a change of scenery who would probably it might benefit them here um, because, like you mentioned, they already have some familiarity with that BT audience. Um, yeah, I, I, I could see them making a good fit. You know, what I was thinking, though, while we're talking about this, and I was thinking about this as I was reading all these reports coming in, WWE has got this fresh start campaign going on right now where they're like, it's going to be way different, right? It's totally different. For this many, and we'll get to the next two here in just a second, for this much talent to still be eyeing an exit and for these reports to be leaking out, it tells me that, you know, this is maybe more smoke than fire as far as them actually trying to change things. It sounds like to some of these guys, not much has changed. And I mean, but you can't appease everyone. You know, Mustafa Ali is much happier. Andrade seemingly would be much happier. But some well, of these yeah. guys, just it doesn't work. You can't appease everybody. And, and I think also, again, from some of these talent standpoint, um, WWE is signing more talent at a rate more rapid than ever, partially because they have the amount of programming they have and they have NXT and they need to satisfy that. Another part of it probably because, you know, they want to sign people up to prevent them from going other places. Um, so I, I think the talent that, you know, they might hear the memos of well, fresh start and we're going to do things different. But if you're a talent who's been there and you've been around once or twice, you're like, okay, I might've seen the ceiling of how high I'm going to ever get booked here. And you see all these people coming that are new in line that have not yet had their trip around the booking block. You, you just kind of go, well, fresh start or not, I, you know, there ain't nothing more for me to do here. Uh, well, let's get to the final uh, two uh, that were reported looking uh, for their releases from WWE. This one comes from ProWrestlingSheet.com. Mike and Maria Kanellis have apparently asked for their WWE releases. Not a, not as big a surprise as the Revival seemingly in their gear demanding out of their contracts after a Lucha House Party match. Uh, you know, Mike has been working through rehab, uh, getting off of uh, prescription pain kills, painkiller pills um, over the past year. Maria had her pregnancy that she's now come back from. So it's not like there weren't reasons these two weren't on TV, but now that they're both fresh and ready to go, they're not getting used. So I, I think that at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to for Mike and Maria. And I, I don't know why, I don't know why they aren't getting used because Mike's never looked better. And Maria's still very much Maria, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've had a, a, a theory of my, my, my own personal opinion. And this is again, just a theory. There's absolutely no factual source information coming to but I have thought ever since they got ever since uh, Mike and Maria, Maria came back. Mike first coming to WWE <clears throat> was a couple years ago. Um, my my theory was 
WWE only wanted Maria. And and, and it was kind of like, you know, if you wanted Maria, you got to have Mike too. And that's not a shot at Mike. It's just, I just, what I think, I just think that, you know, with the women's revolution and, you know, Maria was a, was a hot commodity for them once upon a time. She was on the cover of Playboy. I mean, she was a folk, she was a, um, she was an important figure on television for 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 a period of time in her in her original run. So to me, it was kind of like I feel like they they wanted her. Maybe they weren't as invested in Mike. Uh, maybe part of that was kind of a little bit of a nod and the whole we're going to call you Mike Canellis rather than Mike Bennett. Um, yeah, you know, and Mike's a good performer in the ring. Again, it's not a knock on him. I just I've always kind of thought that maybe WWE just they wanted Maria, and then again she gets pregnant. You know, good for her personally, but obviously that takes her out of the fold. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's just been a it's just been a very un uneventful uh, run well and, and when you think about where these two would have the most value obviously aew would be, be great but uh, unlike the other people we've talked about i could see them back in ring of honor you know especially with mike bennett's uh, connection with the kingdom which is still very much an act that ring of honor is behind and focused on going into 2019 i mean go ahead yeah no and i, I was just gonna say I, I i completely agree and then is it interesting did you see this we haven't talked about this <clears throat> i don't know if it's coincidence or if there's something to this the fact that uh, was it this past weekend or this past week, there was a little bit of a Twitter beef between one of the guys in the revival, I think Matt Taven, and then Maria chimed in on it. And then now, fast forward a couple of days later, we have the report of both the revival and Mike and Maria wanting out of WWE. But in the in the Twitter exchange, I believe Maria said something to the one revival member, you know, be careful who you step on on the way up because you have to pass by them on the way down. <laughs> into which, into which the into which the one revival, and I, I can't remember which which revival person. I apologize. If you Google, I know we have it on Wrestling Inc. Sure. Um, into which the revival person said, "I'm okay with that." And, and, but then this was before, this was days ago before this news has come out. So we're now they again coincidentally, or if there's something to this, I don't know if they're working us or what. But that, that's interesting to me. I know I've heard Heyman's definitely talked about it. I've, I think I've heard Tommy Dreamer talk about it as well, but just the professional prowess of Maria Canellis. I mean, if she's got a great mind for the business, she'd work with the best of them, you know? And that's why I say, you know, you look at, you know, you look at the landscape right now. I can see Mike very much getting an immediate push back with the kingdom. He's got more star power now. And the women of honor division is lacking. It needs something. It needs a little oomph. And Maria, I could see, maybe making something interesting there. I don't know, maybe as a wrestler, maybe as like an authority figure for the women. I'm not really sure, but I see both. I see value very much for both of them in ring of honor more so than the other talent. Oh, I mean, if they get Ziggler, they get Ziggler. Great. But I think Mike and Maria make a lot more sense in the ring of honor landscape than the others. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, and uh, to wrap up our AEW chat here, uh, SE scoops chatted with uh, Cody Rhodes uh, and he said that AEW is not looking to hire writers anytime soon. He said that the wrestlers are the writers, Justin. And if you're one of these talents that we just talked about weighing your options, I mean, you know, say what you will about not try, say what you will about not trying to tamper with people while they're under contract, right? You, I'm not going to talk to you, but using the power of the press to say things to guys like, hey, we're here's how we're going to treat you. Here's the kind of freedom you're going to have. Here's how we're going to respect you. It sure as hell looks to me like Cody is like negotiating in the open to try to court talent without ever having to like violate any breach of contract rules. Yeah, he is. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's not surprising to me that he is taking that route of, you know, the wrestlers are going to be the writers. I'll actually reveal something. I don't think I've ever uh, revealed before. Several years ago, I had uh, interviewed with the WWE for a uh, creative writing spot. I got, I got 
as far as an, I, I had in-person meetings, I got as far as uh, interviewing in front of the two head writers at the time. Okay. And in the pro- in the process of that, as I was trying to pr- prepare and, and wrap my mind around what would be, you know, the, just the whole process, uh, Cody Rhodes was somebody I confided in, and and asked for some advice, and, and to which he gave. But in the entire time, and, I, and it makes even more sense now as I look back, having to have some distance removed and knowing more of what I know now. Uh, he was supportive in the sense of, you know, yeah, good, good luck if this is what you wanted to. But there was a tone of like, good luck if this is what you want to do, but you're not going to, it's not going to be what you think the job is going to be in terms of like, you're not going to have like the, the impact to turn the business around if you got hired or, you know, or whatever. I, 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 I very much sense that tone. Again, it was very helpful. The fact that he even gave the time to feel the phone calls and text with me. But so, so when I read, so when I read this for the interview with him, I laughed out loud because I was like, yeah, this sounds about right. Times they are changing. That's cool. Who were the head writers at the time? Do you mind if I ask? Uh, Ed Kosky and uh, Dave Kapoor. All right. Uh, well, let's get to some talent that is staying with WWE, it would seem. Uh, PWInsider.com reporting the Bludgeon Brothers uh, are cleared to return to action. Eric Rowan has been recovering from a bicep tear. Luke Harper was recently seen with a cast on his left hand. Uh, these two are set to rejoin the SmackDown roster as early as next Tuesday in Wichita Falls, Kansas. The Bludgeon Brothers. I mean, they don't move the needle for me, but I'm not a 12-year-old kid where I would buy the action figure immediately with the big, funny sledgehammers and stuff. These guys, to me, seem more like a raw act at the moment, especially with the move to Fox, where it seems like they're going to be going in a more sports-oriented direction. Mm. I just, I don't know. The Bludgeon Brothers mixed up with the Usos and the New Day and the bar and the Shane and Mid stuff. It just doesn't seem like the right environment for me, is my take. Um. Yeah, I, I could, I could buy into what you're saying there. I, yeah, the biggest thing to me here is they're talented guys, especially Harper, especially Harper. And it's like you have these two guys who they've both been injured. They're the, you know you, you basically can hit the reset button. You know, if they came back and they weren't the Bludgeon Brothers, you, you know it's okay. Like, it's not like everybody. It's not like there's this, this 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 cliffhanger. We have to wrap up some business with the Bludgeon Brothers as the Bludgeon Brothers. To me, it's like you had the chance to reset with both of them. Where in the world is Bray Wyatt? So it's like it's just, just, just do it already. Just put them back together. Yeah, just, just do it. Yeah, I agree. And you know, over on the Raw brand with these guys, is Bray is like backup or whatever. I guess it's you know maybe bronze around that could be kind of weird, but it's such old news at this point. I'm I'm fully with you. I'd like to see Bray back uh, with the brother, the Bludgeon Brothers on WWE TV. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, well, something else we've been seeing on WWE TV that's gotten a lot of attention on YouTube is the WWE female superstars, Justin. We talked a little bit about this yesterday when we talked <laughs> Alexa Bliss nearly getting seen with her shirt off vignette had done 3.6 million views. It's up to 5.1 million views. Naomi attacking Mandy in the hotel is up to 2.1 million views, more than double anything on SmackDown from Tuesday night. And at the same token, uh, Scarlett Brudeau's uh, lap dance that she gave Scott Steiner on Impact Wrestling has done 896,000 views on uh, YouTube, which is like, uh, I don't know, eight times more than they ever did on Destination America or Pop TV. This, these videos are, I mean, obviously, look, sexy women, you know, obviously Alexa and, and Scarlett one situation, but Naomi beating up Mandy, very scandalous there. Numbers, we're talking numbers. What does this all mean to you? What do the numbers mean to you, Justin? <laughs> Uh, it means that there are male wrestling fans or female fans uh, that just enjoy the sex appeal that was offered here. Yeah. You I know, mean, I, I, you know, 
Yeah. It's not, not really not really something to overthink here, but you you see Mandy Rose, uh, and and what you might envision she would look like just before you're going to, uh, I, I don't know. It's just it, it's it's, it's <laughs> nothing, nothing to overthink here. I mean, I don't know. Oh man, oh I love I love watching Justin blush a little bit. He's <laughs> married. He's married, so he can't finish the statements. Um, but yeah, it's it's all sexiness, you know. And I brought up, I didn't realize this, Justin, because as we've talked, I talked about this yesterday. I, I said, you know, Scarlett Bordeaux is doing very well with the Impact videos. I know they're very well watched. Maybe that would influence WWE's decision. I did not know that that video of her and Steiner had done about a million views until I think Raj told me before we went on the air today. And proof positive that, you know, I think there is stuff that these other promotions are doing that WWE is still viewing and, and pulling from. And I, I absolutely think that the Scarlett Bordeaux effect is why we saw the Alexa thing. The Mandy Naomi thing, I don't put in the same category. That's an emotionally driven storyline. It's a beatdown that has some grip to it. The other stuff is just TNA. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 very basic. I mean, it's you know, if you're, it's very it's very basic. It's just it's just the obvious. It's just sex appeal. It, it you know, it is what it is. I mean, probably for the for the Mandy Rose video, I I would I would imagine that a, a large portion of the clicks were coming from Corey Graves, given his uh his affinity for Mandy Rose on 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 the air at least. So you think we see more sexiness in WWE programming going forward? I mean, stuff like this, yeah. I mean, I, again, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think this is some turning point of where we're going to see, you know, again, the return of what we used to see in puppies and, and uh, Edge and Leader live sex celebration. But, I mean, I, I think they've, you know, I think they realize, you know, it, it, just 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 flashing a little shoulder, flashing a little uh, tease can go a long way. <laughs> it is. It's the most innocent thing, right? I mean, it's been scandalized, but. And, you know what it is. Alexa was put in a weird spot having to do it. But yeah, you're right. Flash it's, a little it's, shoulder. It's 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 like it's like for the it's like for the ten year old who who is searching YouTube. It's like the softest of softest of softest of porn. It's like I don't know. It is. It's stop, like ultra stop, soft. It's like stop downy. doing that. Downy. What? It's just showing a little shoulder here. Yeah. For for those of you on the audio only, be be happier on the audio only right now. If you're watching on video, you got that sweet sweet husband shoulder. Um, a couple little news items here before we uh, switch over to some interviews and other clips here for the week. Uh, Ricochet is now set to defend the WWE NXT North American Championship against Johnny Gargano at NXT TakeOver Phoenix. I'm sure it'll be a great show. Uh, on a positive note, uh, Adam Rose uh, put out a social media post yesterday thanking WWE for helping him to get sober. Adam Rose has been sober for more than 400 days. He shared a photo of him at the height of his drug use. Now he's got a photo where he's just absolutely jacked. He's got this big beard. Have you seen the uh, the photo that Adam shared? I did. I did. He looks in great shape here. Good for him. It's kind of wild to see because he's like, here's a photo of me at the height of my drug use, and it just looks like Adam Rose from WWE. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he, he was traveling on the Exotic Express, right? Um, you know, this I'll say this. I, I know he mentioned, uh, or I, I believe you know, he wanted to retire from wrestling, but then he, but then he kept taking bookings and i think it was the explanation was financially he needed you know he needed to keep working in the field um which obviously is sad because because you know, wh whenever i hear adam rose's name all i can think about is when i think it was e60 when they did or not e60 it was 30 for 30 whatever it was an espn special they did and they focused on a few they focused on xavier woods as well um on on, on guys who were in, in, in nxt at the time and and Adam Rose, real name Ray Lapon, was one of the ones they focused on uh, mainly. And they told the story of him, you know, the, you know, the Leo Kruger gimmick, and then coming off the Adam Rose gimmick, and also showing him at home, and him and his wife, uh, their the, the child had some medical uh, situation that they they had to deal with. And it was, I remember 
watching that and I watched it, my wife watched it, I know other people that watch it that are, are aren't like regular fans and, and, and they just said, Wow, how likable this guy is and just you, you felt for him and you felt good when the Adam Rose debut worked. Um and then you felt like, Okay, this guy's got a successful career ahead of him. And I remember thinking to myself, Why did WWE not capitalize on that, whether it be with how they used Adam Rose or whether they just had some version of Ray LePon again uh, be on there, but it was like there, there was just—I thought there was just such um, such positive support behind him off of that special that WWE very happily touted. They were happy for the, the airtime, and they cooperated, obviously. And, and I just it always it always befuddled me that they didn't they didn't take advantage of that. That they didn't say, "Wow, we just had ESPN just told a really you know WWE is all about characters and stories. ESPN just invested a lot of time and money in telling a really good story about a very interesting man and character." Why do you not finish on with that? I, that always, you know, baffled me. And then, I mean, you know, and I don't know what, what they knew, of course, of you know, whatever um, addictions or such that he might have been dealing with. And I'm sure that may have came into fold. But that was something I've, every time I hear his name, that's what I think about is the, the, how many, how much emotional strings were tugged on by that ESPN special about him. Yeah. And that, I see, I definitely see value in Adam Rose. Uh, if he can get, you know, clean, if he is going to stay clean, I mean, he's in incredible shape, the change in look, you know, I guess it depends on how you want to present him. I think you could very easily go back to that Rose, Adam Rose character, right. Who's high on life now and not ecstasy. Sure. Why not? Let's go, let's do it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I would be happy to see him back in the WWE fold or happy wherever else he goes. If he can stay clean, you know, the guy obviously got a lot of charisma, so good for him. Uh, lastly here, before we throw to the interviews, uh, very, uh, what I thought was going to be a sad story turned out to be a relatively or at least more positive story. Kurt Angle's 16-year-old niece, uh, Mariana Akil, has been recovered following an abduction scare yesterday where Kurt was asking fans to share this story about his, um, his niece who had been abducted by an ex-boyfriend. Um, the, poli- the Pittsburgh police have called off the Amber Alert, but I know that you know a lot more about – you're in Pittsburgh, Justin, so tell me exactly what happened here. Fill us all in, please. Yeah, this community of Penn Hills, um, wh- where she was abducted, is less than 25 minutes from me. Um, my wife actually runs the local, the, 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 the newspaper, the weekly newspaper that covers that community, among others. Um, so this, is, this has been, it's been dominating the, 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 the news cycle here for the past um, you know, 12 to 15 hours. Uh, last night, actually, I was at home watching TV, and what we were watching went to a blank screen. EAS came up on the cable box. Uh, a huge Amber Alert was put out. A record, you know, a, 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 an alert and a voiceover from a police officer. They talked all about it. Gave the details of her, the details of of of, of the ex boyfriend. A few minutes later, my phone, which was on silent, it was making all kinds of crazy noises. Amber Alert on the phone. I mean, so as soon as that happened, I mean, we knew. You know, just working in the news media, we knew. Okay, this is pretty serious. If if like this is not just you know nineteen year old boyfriend and sixteen year old girlfriend running away despite mom and dad. Like this is something's more to this uh, for them to be using the resources. And yeah, it was pretty scary. Uh, they did, they did in fact find them in a neighboring community um, here in the Pittsburgh area. Um, she is okay. I guess she was, I think you know, physically uh, abused some by, her, yeah. by, by, by him, but um, yeah, she, she is okay. Uh, Kurt did put out a lot of messages here locally last night. Um, I mean, and then, and the ex-boyfriend is uh, in, in, in custody. So yeah, I mean, ha- happy ending, I guess, overall, but uh, sure. yeah, very scary around, around the city here last night it was all over the place the, the yeah I, I i i hated to say a, a positive story because it's still very negative this girl has a very traumatic experience um very sorry to hear it very happy to hear that she's been recovered and this guy's in custody right now and uh and, and, and this was and this wasn't the first time apparently that this has happened between the two yeah 
Well, we have all the, we have a, a full report about all the details of this. If you want to look more into it, head over to wrestlinginc.com. I, I was going to get more into it at the top of the show, but since she's been recovered, you know, we, I just prefer to send my best, best to everyone right now uh, and, and not have to dig into the, the dirt here to, to fill the story. Uh, well, on that note, let's, let's freshen it up here. Let's get a fresh start going. Let's shake our shoulders off here. That got a little dark for just a second there at the end of the news. Uh, we are going to throw over to some interviews and my views from the Turnbuckle Audio Edition with Jesse Collins. So you'll get Brody King next, followed by Steve Mongo McMichael with our good friend Andy Malnoski. And after that, like I said, the views from the Turnbuckle, Jesse Collins. At this time, I am pleased to welcome to the Winkley, one of the newest Ring of Honor signees and a member of Villain Enterprises. It is Brody King. Brody, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, very exciting time for you. Like I said, you are one of the newest signed Ring of Honor stars. Uh, you've already hit the road with them. Uh, you'll be back with them on the road uh, for their uh, Road to G1 Supercard live events that kick off uh, this month, January 24th in Dallas, Texas. Uh, but let's start with, with you just arriving in Ring of Honor. Um, what sold you on wanting to make Ring of Honor home for you here in 2019 and seemingly going forward? Uh, I mean, like, I guess all the all the dots just connected at the right time. Um, I did a lot last year as far as um, a lot of the independent promotions that I wanted to work for. I think I wrestled for almost every major independent promotion in um, America. Mm-hmm. And I also, you know, wrestled for a few places in Canada. I wrestled for the crash in Mexico. So I got to check a lot off my list that, you know, I didn't think I would be able to do in a year. And then when the ring of honor came calling, it was, it was just kind of a, it was just right place, right time, I guess. I mean, they, they offered me a very great offer and obviously being put with Marty uh, in the villain enterprises was, was huge as well. So it all just kind of worked out together. Now, you know, you mentioned how you've been so active or you were so active in 2018. You've only been an active wrestler, by the way, for a little less than five years. Is that correct? About three and a half, yeah. Man, three and a half. Dude, that is a rocket ship strapped to your back. So few guys see the kind of success you've seen here in just a three and a half year period. Um, what what do you attribute that to? Why do you think you've been able to maneuver so quickly through the ranks in pro wrestling? Uh, I, honestly, I, I have no idea. I mean, I guess, <laughs> you know, my trainer always says that I'm a, I'm a likable person and uh, I have good work ethic. I work hard and... uh I dedicate a lot of my time to, to being, you know, as good as I can be. And I guess it's all paying off now. It it looks that way. And, you know, you say you got a great deal from ring of honor. Obviously it's a very fertile landscape right now when it comes to pro wrestling, especially in North America. I mean, were you entertaining offers from WWE or AEW as well? No, I, I, I didn't really have any offers from either one. I mean, you always hear like the, the dirt sheet rumblings, but, I never trust those to be fact at all. But, uh, no, I mean, Ring of Honor was kind of always the company that I looked towards to maybe uh, work for in the future because they have their connections with, um, you know, CMLL in Mexico, and they have connections with New Japan Pro Wrestling in Japan. So that those were definitely places that I would want to work in the future. And also Ring of Honor has a great roster of guys, and uh, a, lot of pe- a lot of great people have come from Ring of Honor. So, I, I think it's a great uh, place to be at the time. 
And, uh, y- I mean, you did uh, have a relationship or contract, I guess, with MLW. How did they take the news that you were jumping ship to join Ring of Honor? Uh, they had offered me a contract early on last year, and I, I declined it. Um, it just wasn't right for me at the time, and it kind of limited what I wanted to do as a professional. Um, sure. They did a lot for me. They put me in the spotlight. They put me up against some really great guys like Tommy Dreamer and you know, I, I I learned a lot from them. I learned how to uh, work TV more from them and uh, get better at cutting promos. But at the end of the day, the, the contract just wasn't right for me. So it wasn't like really – I think it was, it was fine that, you know, we kind of separated at the time. I got gotcha. you. Um, well, you mentioned that obviously working with Marty and being a part of Villain Enterprises was a, a big draw for you, the allure of getting to work with him. Uh you, him, also PCO, you have very different backgrounds, it would seem, from my research with each of these guys. Tell me a little bit about uh, Marty Skrull, tell, Marty Skrull and uh, your relationship with him. Uh, it's funny, actually. We were talking about it the other day. Um, <clears throat> my finishing school when I was training was with Rocky Romero. Okay. So he, he would uh, run class, like, once a week whenever he was in town and uh, just go over, like, you know, more advanced stuff as, you know, selling and character development, stuff like that. And uh, some, sometimes Marty would come and sit in on the class whenever he was in town for like PWG or whatever. And uh, it, it was funny because I was telling him yesterday, it's really crazy to uh, think that a couple of years ago, I was telling him my aspirations of being a professional wrestler. And now I'm kind of living them with him. So that's, that's a full circle moment that was pretty crazy to me but i mean marty has he is arguably one of the top names in the business right now so being able to kind of stick by his side and like pick up tips and you know just be under his learning tree is is huge and it's a really interesting spot here with marty obviously you know all of his elite buddies have gone they've like started their own wrestling promotion yet he is still here with ring of honor uh for at least i think maybe a little just shy of the next year or so um, do you feel that pressure of stepping into this role with Marty, knowing the shoes you're filling for the guys that left that were along his side? Uh, definitely. I mean, I, I definitely think it's like a, but at the same time, I don't think he would have chosen, um, me if he didn't think I could fill that role. Uh, I think he, he had a vision of what he wanted to do with PCO and I, and I think within the first few matches that we've had, we've, we've been showing him that, you know, it was the right choice to make. And, um, but yeah, there was that, there's definitely a ton of pressure. I mean, the guys that were in his initial group were, you know, the top names in the business and they're some of the best wrestlers in the business. So having to come into a new company where some people might, well, a lot of people probably don't know who I am as far as like ring of honor fans. uh, And just having to, you know, show them that I'm I'm ready to be in the in the title pictures, in the main event pictures is is you know, a lot to put on somebody. You're a big scary bad dude, Brody. I'm not gonna lie, you walk out, there's a presence. Um <laughs> but but uh to, like you mentioned there, to Ring of Honor fans are just acclimating to you, they may not know you as well. I mean, how do you describe Brody King to Ring of Honor fans or just fans in general that, that may not be as familiar with you? Uh, I mean, my style is, is so 
different than most other big guys. I mean, I'm six foot five, two hundred and seventy five pounds. Yes. But I can also move around like a five foot ten luchador. Uh, so it's like you'll see me having these, you know, bloody brawling matches where we're just beating the crap out of each other. But then at the same time, I can do you know a hurricanrana or like do a springboard something and dive out of the ring. So it's, it's uh, I, I think that my hybrid style is very exciting in the ring. It's pretty cool thinking about the new crop of talent. Obviously, we'll talk about PCO here in just a second. But, I mean, Bandito, too. I mean, that's got to be somebody you're looking forward to working with in a Ring of Honor ring. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think Bandito's he's going to be a mega superstar someday. I mean, he's already, like, within – he had his first breakout year and now he's like already the hot, one of the hottest talents uh, in the world. And he hasn't even, he hasn't even chipped away at, at like what he can do. He's 23 years old and he's an insane shape. He is incredibly nice human and is so talented. He got them tiny trampolines on the bottom of his boots. This guy is hey, the stuff. That, the stuff that he can do is is absolutely mind blowing. Oh man, uh, yeah, I agree. Well, let's talk about PCO. I put it off here. I, I'm a big PCO fan. What a great story this guy has had. I mean, really, like a completely new second, third run in in the world of professional wrestling. How's it been getting to to work with PCO? And what do you think of his addition to to Villain Enterprises? Uh, I've actually I actually got to work with uh, PCO a few times last year. Uh, I think we had like four matches mm-hmm. last year. Uh, I wrestled him at PWG at Bola. I wrestled right. him in a three way with Jeff Cobb, and I wrestled him a couple times at MLW. Oh. And uh, he's just a psycho. I mean, to to basically put it, I mean, he's truly not human. I mean, the the stuff that he does and the bumps that he takes and is able to just kind of like walk in the back of me and like, hey guys, like great match, like. It is absolutely insane. I think it would paralyze most people, but he's somehow just – Walter once called him the rubber man. Like, he he just bounces off of anything. Yeah, I saw – it was Walter and uh, PCO uh, WrestleMania weekend for GCW. It was uh, it was, Gen- it was Genela Spring Break last year, right? Yeah. yeah. Man, yeah, that was like – it was – I remember looking at uh, both their chests afterwards, and it was just like mangled meat from the chops these men had laid into each other. Just, <laughs> Yeah. Disgusting. Um, you know, and with PCO, it's cool, too, because, you know, kind of like we were talking about filling the shoes of, of the elite guys who had left, they made such hay and uh, a name for themselves through being the elite, doing those viral videos. Here you have another guy who's really doing them, but in a very different way. Uh, any chance we see Brody King popping up in these Monday night PCO videos? Are you guys working on doing more as a group with Villain Enterprises in that in the video stuff? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I would love to. Being around Destro is uh, definitely a different experience. I mean, if you've ever seen him in person, he's he's definitely a presence in the room. Um, and being around PCO is, is always fun, especially now that we're, you know, more of a a unit. He, he opens up a lot more to Marty and I, and he's telling us these crazy stories of back in the day in the, in the 90s and WWF and going to, to All Japan in the 90s and stuff like that. It's, it's really cool to hear, like, someone telling us like you know how it used to be back in the day but also he's like trying to adapt to the new style of wrestling 
Yeah, man. Him, him, and like Sean Waltman were just like not in the right time. You know, it's like oh, yeah, fifteen years difference. I feel like would have just you know done a lot for those guys. But that's why it's so cool to see him right here succeeding. You know, I was I had the opportunity to interview PCO like a, a week or so ago. And it hit me, he's maybe the only person on the active ROH roster besides Bully Ray that will have ever played Madison Square Garden before when you guys take it over. That's insane to me. Um, oh, yeah. The, the other day we were all talking about, like, you know, if we have a match at MSG and stuff like that, and we were all excited about it. <laughs> and uh, PCO just goes, oh, yeah, I've worked there a bunch of times. Like, it's no big deal. Yeah, man. He did the same thing to me. He's like, oh, yeah, I made a event against Brett. It's nice, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Stole the man's jacket. You know, that's how you get heat. Um, yeah, it, I, I'm just excited. You know, talking about Madison Square Garden, what does that what does that mean to you to get to, to go to the garden? I mean, what what would you like to do there, ideally? I mean, literally anything. I'll, I'll be in a dark match if it means working in Madison Square Garden. I mean, that's like, you know, one of the most historic and iconic venues in the world. Like, not even just for professional wrestling, but for any sport, for boxing, you know, it masses, it's the garden. Like that's what everybody knows. My friends in New York are like, if you're, if you're working the garden, I'll pay any amount for tickets. Like it's a, it's a huge opportunity if it comes and, you know, I, I definitely would love to do it. It's going to be a unique show. Cause it is a G1 super card. It's a ring of honor, new Japan co-produced show. Uh, is there like a dream? Obviously, you're gonna have a chance to get a crack at the the Ring of Honor roster here. But is there a dream New Japan opponent that you'd like to see yourself in the ring with? Oh man, there's I have so many. <laughs> um, I would love to have a match against like Ishii. I would love to have a match against Goto. Um, if we we're in like a tag team, Evil and Sonata are obviously you know huge names that I would love to get in the ring with. Um, honestly anybody from the new Japan roster I would I would love to get in the ring with and you said Ishii and I was like that's a match I would also like to see would be you and Ishii I can see that being a very physical bout um he's a scary man too you know it's I yeah think, exactly I think about you know you bring up Evil and Sonata and I, I think about LIJ think about Villain Enterprises and I think about who you guys debuted against the kingdom and you guys all have some fun dark horror elements uh, I haven't had a chance to ask you about the kingdom yet uh, what's it been like getting to know Vin? I feel like you and Vinny are like two peas in a pod. I mean, how's he getting to, to know him and work with him? And do you see yourself in the ring with him? Well, other than being uh, in the kingdom, I think Vinny is, is a, probably a good guy. But, uh, you know, they tried to step up against Marty, uh, and Marty wasn't having it. So he had to call the aid of me and PCO and, we kind of put them in their place early on, but I think in a, in a different universe, Vinny would fit pretty well with the villain enterprise boys, but unfortunately he's uh, aligned himself with Taven and TK. It's, it's their family. You know, it's just, I love the juxtaposition of those three entities, especially the idea that LIJ could get in the mix with you guys in the kingdom. It's just a really fun uh, group of people there that I, uh, I can't wait to see do things here this year. Um, how has it been, you know, you talk about how this is, you know, you've been in the business three and a half years, Ring of Honor contract has obviously probably been the biggest platform you've gotten. What's it like working with the Ring of Honor management team? How is this different than working all the major indies moving into a, a bigger company like this? I mean, it's it's awesome. It, 
I would just say like probably more direction. Like you kind of know exactly what they want. Um, but at the same time, they, they're not very strict on what they want. Like they believe in their talent and they believe that we will give them the best product that we can. So they give us like, you know, an outline of what they would like to see. And then they trust us to execute it. And so far it's worked out well. Yeah, and, and I know you. Uh, I, I saw you did an interview with Waltman here uh, a couple months ago, or maybe a month ago, and you mentioned how you have a full time job. I mean, is that still going to be the case? Are you going to be working Monday through Friday and doing Ring of Honor shows? I mean, I think you're also like the you're in a band, right? I mean, that seems like a lot of things, Brody. Yeah, I mean, like I've I've never been known to not be busy all the time. Uh, you know, my wife definitely has to be like, all right, this week uh, you got to just hang out with me and do nothing and i'm just like like my skin starts to crawl because it's like i I always have to be doing something uh my dad's very much the same way he's always got six different things going on at the same time but so i think it's just kind of in my blood but yeah i mean i do set lighting for movies and tv Uh, i've been a local 728 union member for about 13 years now and uh i have a very flexible schedule there like i can kind of come and go as i please so when I'm in town and I have the, the available days, I'll go and work um, if I want to or need to. And if not, then I just, I don't. But it's pretty much the dream job to have with wrestling. And it's, uh, you know, it's a great career. It's afforded me a really comfortable life. So I've been able to provide for my family and that's all I can really ask for. That's awesome, man. Do you ever do you ever talk to the lighting guys and like share ideas? You're like, you know, I'm not just a wrestler, guys. I I also know how to use this intelligent lighting rig or anything like that. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't want. I don't want anything to do with it when I'm in the wrestling world. I mean, that's kind of like why I've been trying to transition to wrestling to get out of the lighting world. But hopefully someday that'll be, you know, in the past. I got you. Cool, man. Man, you're you're uh, you're fun to talk to. I'm really excited about seeing you in a Ring of Honor here in, in 2019. Uh, of course, you do. You still are wrestling for PWG. I know you got a show this weekend uh, against Jungle Boy, who is another name that's been tearing it up. Uh, just going forward, I mean, you're doing so many stuff. I mean, are you going to still be performing for PWG? Is Ring of Honor going to allow you to do that? Yeah, uh, it's part of our contract that basically PWG is uh, is the only. Uh, indie that we're allowed to do uh in north america so that's always cool because it's you know 20 minutes from my house Uh, i'm very fortunate to live in los angeles where pwg is so it's not like a huge inconvenience to fly across the country or anything like that but uh pwg is always i mean it was definitely the promotion that kind of put me in the spotlight of a lot of people's eyes and um gave me a platform to really shine last year Man, that's great they're letting you do that, man. Uh, well, again, Ring of Honors, Road to G1 Supercard. Uh, the tour kicks off uh, January 24th in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Brody, why don't you tell everyone there out there a little bit about what you're going to be doing here uh, in Dallas? Uh, PCO and I are going to be in Tag Wars, uh, which is a tag team tournament where the winner gets a title shot uh, at the anniversary show against the Briscoes. So there's, uh, there's a lot of names. Uh, in the Tag Wars, I mean, the Kingdom is in the Tag Wars, uh, Gresham and Jay Lethal. Um, I think the best friends maybe are in the Tag Wars, sure. but it, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you've seen either PCRI in the ring um, so far in Ring of Honor, we've been pretty 
a pretty dominant force, and I don't think that's going to slow down anytime soon. Wrestlers come and go, but the chroniclers of something are the voice that lasts forever. And I'll always remember him. Uh, what a great interview he was. I've done a lot of things. Thank God they, they used to call guys like me Renaissance men and they'd burn them at the stake. <laughs> so thank God I didn't live back in days of yore, huh? No, thank God you, you're here and you're, you're kicking and doing great. And, and uh, yeah. you know, WCW, 1995, you start as a commentator on Nitro. What was that experience like getting that opportunity? privilege and you know it's 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 a privilege for me to talk to you today and you know going back down memory lane a little bit and uh what makes a good commentator because you people remember you you know a lot for that time of getting on the microphone and working with bobby the brain yeah. and, and guys like that tony shivani you gotta be smart enough to have your own script in your head you can't be fed it and you know that's that's what gets a, a wrestler over on the mic in the middle of the mat with, and talking to the crowd. It's got to be off the top of your head, man. You, you can't go out there with a script. Yeah, and so many things, you know, then you, then you go into being a performer, a guy who competed. You mentioned working with the likes of, of so many greats, you know, like Mean Gene Okerlund, uh, Bobby the Brain. He and those Bobby guys the were so good. They were so My good. My God. The, the first time I met him on the... Uh, um, we were getting on the same plane and flying somewhere. Uh, you know, going now. It's in Minnesota, by God. The first one up at the Mall of America. Oh, yeah. With the first Nitro. Uh, he said, let me show you my pride and joy. And he took out his wallet. And I thought he was going to show me a, wife his, a picture of his wife and kids. You know what he showed me? What's that? A, a, a picture of a bottle of pride and a bottle of joy. The cleaning fluid. So he's <laughs> a gaffer, man. Wow. So now I know. So now it's, he's showing me what I got to look forward to here. And please have a sense of humor about it. You know, don't get your feelings hurt. It's great. Man, it, you know, being a part of that first Nitro that really, you know, helped launch the Monday Night Wars between Monday Night Raw and, and being on Wars, the Mama, There wasn't no war when we got the ratings. Right. Yeah. It was That's you what I'm proud of after, after that first wrestling match I did and I turned on Kevin Green and the people weren't expecting it. Mm -hmm. Oh, they were watching the WCW instead of the WWE, my friend. They were, too. They really were. The numbers don't lie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not talking. Uh, look, I'm like John Wayne. No brag, just fact. I'm too <laughs> old to be humble. I'm too old to be humble now, baby. I love it. I love it. And... You know, Kevin Green, he actually kind of took the next question right out of me there. Um, you know, Kevin Green, you turned on him, and you had the opportunity to, to join, arguably, I think, you know, for me, not even arguably, it's the yeah. greatest stable of all time, the Four Horsemen. Uh, 
man, just talk to me about that. Yeah. Let me tell you what, when I met Ric Flair, he was everything that I'd seen on TV and more. <laughs> you know, some guys some guys have a private life that's kind of sedate, a suburbanite. Ric Flair is the genuine article. What you see is what you get, my friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he don't hold nothing back. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, the way you see him talking on the mic in the ring is the way he lives his life. It's not a script. That's what I said. The best guys in any entertainment industry, baby, this, it comes off the top of their head. They're not memorizing a script. Right, right. You know, Mongo, I can remember a, uh, I believe there was an episode on Nitro where they had you bring out the Super Bowl ring with the Bears. And uh, it was just so memorable to me. And I think it, you talk about the off-the-cuff stuff and just, just letting it ride and being on the fly. Wow. And, and you showed the ring and said, ain't it pretty? Ain't it pretty? <laughs> it was amazing. Oh, yeah. Look, the things you do in life that a real warrior accomplishes, every warrior in the world appreciates that. They might be jealous or resented, but they respect it. And you're only as great as your greatest adversary. Mm-hmm. Every warrior is known. Has always known that. And it, you know, that's why the title of Flair, That's why it's the title of Flair's book. To be the man, you got to beat the man. Right. Right. Oh yeah, no doubt. And I, I feel like you know, going back in time with, with wrestling in those days, things are so different now. Everything's so, so scripted. It's. You know, they, they have their farm yeah, system, yeah. and things are different. Yeah, it's too much like a soap opera now. They have scenes and lines and cut and go on to the next scene. No, man. That's that's taking the, the sports, part of that sports entertainment, taking the sports out of it. Right. And you shouldn't do that. People like... Uh, even though it's, it's, it's stuntmen killing each other, people want to see that. That's what filled up the old Coliseum in Rome, my friend. The way people are consuming media is so different. Uh, people are watching stuff on their phones. Yeah. They're not necessarily sitting watching, you know, per se on TV as much as they used to in terms of consuming it. But uh, what yeah. is your greatest uh, accomplishment yeah. in wrestling, though? What's your greatest accomplishment? My greatest accomplishment? Uh, man, now you got me thinking. <laughs> Now you got me thinking, baby, because, you know, money and fame, I've achieved that in a couple of other things. Mm -hmm. I'm in a band right now I want you to put over, by the way. Really? You're in a band right now? It's called the Chicago Six. It's Dan Hampton, Otis Wilson, and myself, the front men. And we got three other guys, a drummer and a guitar player and a piano player. That's fantastic. We're the six of us. And we've been doing it for seven years now, making some good money. We're good. Really? What type of music are we talking here? We we have a couple of original songs about the Bears, and we do parodies. I sing a song to White Wedding. We call it Light Shredding, and I'm talking shit about Mike Ditka. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Because, you know. Yeah. Wow. You know, so, so Chicago Sixes, correct, with the six? The Chicago 
Chicago Six, yeah. Boy, that's, I gotta look this up, man. Be oh, you yeah, do. Yeah. I think you can get it at Yahoo.com, Chicago Six. That's fantastic. We, we got, up until the summer, we got about eight gigs coming man. this year. You know, Mongo, Mike Dicka, he said that you were the toughest player he ever coached. And well, of course I was. Uh, I played in every game. Everything. While he was coaching the Chicago Bears. So, who else did that? I don't think anybody. You're the longest tenure Bear, right? Longest tenure Bear. Nobody. Long so, of course he's going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had the opportunity. A, you know, this is just one of the things I like of Mike, about Mike Dick. And I always have, he's an intelligent man. Good and boy, that's boy. what he loved about me, brother. And what I loved about him, we were, we were tough guys. Good you know, I'm not great. talking about... I'm not talking about uh, somebody jumping to a fight uh, and then on the other hand run. No, no, we're going to, you better bring your sack lunch. You're going to mess with us because it's going to be all day. It's going to be all day. No problems whatsoever, you know. Because, you, you know, because the pain, not much of a factor to us. Right. You know, it's a different breed of guys back then, man. No doubt about it. And my dad, yeah. you know, grew up in that era. And there's there's things that my dad talks about that he says, man, the, the kids today wouldn't be able to handle it. They wouldn't be able to handle it, you know? Well, they could if it was one of their goals to, to, to uh, separate themselves from the pack of the guys that won't that that will sit out and not and not play because they got a little piss injury. Those guys that grit their teeth and play, baby, that's what, when they retire, it's one of the things they're most proud of. Right. You know, right. they talk about, you know, you get, to be great, you got to pay the price. And uh, you guys yeah. paid that. Walter, you know, Walter Payton, my teammate, missed one game in his in his 13-year career. And I'm one game ahead of him because I played in all of them. Uh, it was his rookie year, and he sprained his ankle. And so he didn't play in the next game, the game next, the next week. He lamented that till the day he died. He wishes he would have sucked it up and played in that game. Man, it, 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 I know he played with it. There was a game against the Vikings. Yeah, because injury, he played. He'd be in line getting his knees drained just like me, baby. So you got full mobility in that joint to go play. Oh yeah. It's like the difference is: are you are you injured or are you hurt? You know, I think that's the old saying. There's a right? difference. Yeah. Between injury and pain. Yes. Man, I love it. You know, 25 years, Mongo, after you guys won that Super Bowl in 85, uh, President Obama invited everybody to the White House. Wasn't that great? How awesome you know what he said to me? We're standing in line. He's going down shaking our hand. He looked at me. You cut your ponytail off. <laughs> That's when I knew he was a wrestling fan. <laughs> <laughs> he, know, he knows, man. He knows Mongo. <laughs> oh, he knew me, yeah. He's from, he's from Chicago. Oh, yeah. Boy, that's he a great me the way I've entertained. You know, the people in America have missed out the way I've entertained these people in Chicago <laughs> over the years. Oh, but, yeah. You know, every now and then I'll do something national and they'll see it. But not like I've done here. Right. Oh, man. That's your, that's your town, man. Chicago's yours. Oh, yeah. That's yours. It always will be. And, you know, here's an interesting question for you. We're talking about the president. And if you were president of WWE right now, what would you change or do with that company? 
some gargantuans. Right. That's what they're missing, you know. You know, Big John Studd and Andre the Giant. And, you know, Hulk Hogan wasn't no little guy. He's a big dude. They, they, you know, the guys that when they walk out the curtain, the, the fans are like, look at that monster. You understand? The attraction, right? I, the attraction. I call them, you know why there's been no big, there's been no sightings of Bigfoot? They're all <laughs> shaved and playing in the NFL. They have assimilated their self-brother. Mm-hmm. Now, wrestling... You know, I know the high-flying guys are great to have, but for the fans, they want to see those monsters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The attractions, man. Something you don't see every day, you know? Yeah. No doubt about it. You know, what's the craziest moment you've ever had in wrestling? And it could be anything. You know, backstage, out on the stage, in the ring, outside the ring. What was the craziest thing you ever were a part of, you ever saw? Wow. Uh, it's all just one big blur of a carnival, my friend. That's, you know, that's what I tell people, you know, because I'd be home two days out of the month to get clean clothes when you're on the road, you know, the house shows and things you do, you know, during the week. Man, uh, I, I, I tell everybody I consider myself I was a traveling carny. Right. Yeah. They, and that's the life. That's the life, man. There's no changing that either, you know. No, you gotta be. You gotta go. You gotta get out there and do them shows, man. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy industry, but it's so rewarding at the same time. And you guys definitely carved out that niche. You know, the horsemen, the you know, Michael, Michael, the commentator, yeah. everything. Yeah, well, you know, fame, brother. As a cruel mistress, you will find out. But when you're young and dating her, oh, my God. There's nothing like that euphoria of walking out to a crowd, you know. It's what I miss about pro football and what I thought I was going to keep in my life in wrestling was walking out the tunnel to the roar of the crowd. Wow. Yeah, you called it, in the Bears movie, you said that throng, that noise, you know. Yeah. That's what you said. Yeah. Man. Yeah, that's that 30 for 30, the same thing. Incredible. You're asking the same questions here. Incredible. And how do you want to be remembered in wrestling? And not just wrestling, but but overall. Uh, They know. I'm not, you know, I'm not spilling out some soliloquy of what I wanted people to see, but nobody saw. Oh, I was on TV. Yeah. Yeah, you, they know. They know just by seeing it. Yeah. Mongo. That encapsul- encapsulates the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that is perfect. That is so great. And, you know. And Mongo, just a couple more quick questions, and I thank you so yeah, much. This yeah, has been awesome, right on, man. Brother. This has been awesome. And, uh, you know, the NWO, Four Horsemen, D-Generation X, all these stables, uh, yeah. what was the uh, the NWO, I mean, to the industry? You were right in the thick of that. It really changed everything. Yeah. And, and, but ultimately, people say it well, almost killed WCW in the end almost. Turn the channel, my friend. 
Yeah, and it was too much NWO. Too much. Yeah. Yeah, and engulfed it almost, really. Exactly. You know, from so the so so you know the, the fans want to see competition. No doubt, competition. Yeah. And, you know, Mongo, I, I got to say this too is uh, you know WCW, of course, being bought out by Vince McMahon and WWE. Yeah, well, how smart is he? Man's a genius. He really is. I mean, monopolies are supposed to be illegal. He's got one, and it's justified. You know, the, the history of wrestling, you know, you, you can't write history without Vince McMahon. You can't write history without the Well, Hulk I mean, it goes, it goes back to, you know, he's generation, baby, a grandpa. You know, when, you know what people don't realize about I try to call myself a traveling carny, where wrestling came from in the first place. You know, it went around with the car, before it was on TV in the 50s. It went, you know, it went around in the carnivals, and that's where you saw wrestling. Yeah. That's Vince McMahon's grandpa. Vince McMahon. Uh, and, then his, and, then his, and then his daddy started working territories. And then it moved from there, you know. Yeah. And well, then he monopolized it. You know, Mongo, I, I, Buddy Ryan, yeah, this is aside from wrestling now, but Buddy Ryan, Mike Singletary, Otis Wilson, all those guys, I mean, I, this is the sports angle coming out for me here, and... You know, the 85 years. You know, was a, was a you know, you know what I get? Here you go, talk about those guys and my teammates. Uh, the NWO, you know how at the end, how powerful it was? It ran the whole thing, the whole show. Yeah. Nobody had to say but them. They couldn't have touched my 85 team, baby, if we wanted to be a gang on them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> now oh, that, yeah. that is WrestleMania right there. Yeah. That would be yeah. something. <laughs> and I believe you because those guys were they were animals. I mean we had look, we had characters that would get on the mic and entertain you and make you laugh and make you cringe. Those those guys were amateurs compared to us. <laughs> I like to see uh, Mike Singletary versus Buff Bagwell, I mean, you know. Did you see the NWO cut the NWO shuffle? Or was that the 85 Bears that did that? Let me think. I think that was the Bears. Oh, yeah. Now <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I love it. Well, well, All right, brother. Well, Mongo. Right on, man. Hey, anything else you want to tell us about your no, career? I leave well, it open to you. I leave it open to you. We're all good, baby. I mean, you know, I could sit here and talk about the book I wrote. Mm -hmm. I, I, there, there's a myriad of things. You know, in high school, I'm in the Texas Hall of Fame. Right. Have you ever heard of a guy making all state at three different positions in the same year? I can't say that I have, honestly. No. Now, you've been talking <laughs> to one right now. That's the, that's you know, awesome. things like that, college, and, and, you know, through my life, I've been blessed, brother. You know, this is what I got to tell people about the two roads you can get on out there. There's a good one and there's a bad one. That was real easy. The good one has got potholes and it's going to be tough. But you know what happens on the good one while you're blessed? You know, like you're driving a car. You're on that you're on that good road and it's easy, but there ain't a gas station to be found and you're running out of gas. On the bad road, that's what happens. On the good road, 
you you know, beset on all sides a righteous man's path, but there's a gas station every mile, my friend. Now, take that philosophy and go with it. Bongo, thank you so much. And, you know, I'm going to make sure, we, you know, we have this up on our site here in the coming days, in the coming weeks. And uh, we want to say thank you for WrestlingInc.com. Right on, Bongo, right on. Thank you so much. Hey, I, I, I love you fans out there. You better believe it. And I loved entertaining you your, my whole life. At this time, it is my pleasure to bring back to the Winkley the views from the Turnbuckle Audio Edition with Jesse Collings. Jesse, welcome back to the Winkley. Yeah, it's good to be back, Nick. It's been a few weeks. We got the the holidays out of the way. We're right back into the, the wrestling beat. Yeah, I, yeah, man. I was like, I was in California, and then I was gonna try to record with you last week, but then the AEW rally got announced, and I had to leave. And so, uh, I appreciate your patience, Jesse. Let's, you know what? Let's start with AEW because I've missed like four weeks of views from the Turnbuckle. I think with you. Uh, we won't get into the debate about Edge and Orton, but we are going to talk AEW, Russell Kingdom, and the UK scene here. So I was at the AEW rally. Um, you wrote a piece on the site, Views from the Turnbuckle, looking at what a possible AEW roster could look like before it was announced. How'd you fare? How close are you? I mean, so far I'm perfect, which is <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. Yeah. I said, I, I, you know, I retweeted this after the press conference. It says, I think I'm, I'm 11 for 11 in, in my roster picks. Okay. And I think I would have been 13 for 13, but I didn't have enough confidence to, to really start, uh, to start labeling women who I thought would be a part of it. But I did mention that obviously Brandy and then Britt Baker. So if you count those two, I'm 13 for 13, but I'm 11 for 11 so far, which was, I don't know, unexpected. I didn't, I was kind of just throwing, I talked to you about it earlier, Nick, we were just, I was just kind of throwing names out and it ended up being all of the people, you know, some of them are obvious, obviously the members of the elite, and SCU, but guys like uh, Joey Janela and uh, MJF and those kind of guys ended up being uh, announced. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, you know, Jericho was cool, but I was surprised by Pac. I didn't think it was a given that Pac, aka Neville, was going to be a, a part of it. Yeah, because we don't know who they're working with, right? He oh. came out with the Dragon Gate, uh, their version of the world title, which I thought was interesting that he came out. I also liked that he came out like just straight up, like in his entire wrestling outfit, like he was ready to wrestle right now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see who they get working for, for them. Yeah. And you know, this was uh, the AEW rally was right off the heels of wrestle kingdom. It was like three days later, five days later, something like that. Um, and wrestle kingdom was, it reminded me a lot of final battle ring of honor show where it was like a, a transitional show for them. A lot of talent leaving, trying to establish talent they had, trying to get some new talent over. Um, you know, what did you think? Well, I'll, I'll slow it down here a little bit. Kenny Omega was not at the AEW rally. He was the other name I think people were really buzzing about. Were you expecting to see him there? Where do you feel like Kenny is going to be here at the end of the month? Well, Kenny's contract with – so, like, the Young Bucks, right, their contract was up from New Japan on January 1st. And they stayed on for Russell Kingdom, but they were free agents as soon as they, as soon as the New Year struck, which is kind of why they did the whole New Year's Eve kind of um, gimmick on being the elite. But Kenny, unlike those guys, Kenny's contract is not up until the end of January. So you know, it depends on their relationship. You know, AEW's relationship with New Japan, which is we don't know what it is right now. It seems like it doesn't exist, but it might exist soon. We don't know, right? And Kenny won't be able to really do anything 
in my opinion, until January 31st. So, or until technically until February 1st. It would be shocking if he did not join AEW. I mean, especially with his whole thing being about changing the world and the way he's talked about money and his love of creative, uh, creative freedom over the past few years. I would just, I would be surprised if he didn't join his buddies. Yeah, well, they said they were going to all stick together, right? The Hangman, the Bucks, Cody, and Kenny. And uh, obviously, Kenny's part of that group. And, it, you know, the first thing that t- tipped me off is when I saw the AEW logo. And the E in AEW is golden. Mm. Which, you know, if you you know follow New Japan, you follow the Golden Lovers, which is Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi. And the whole Golden Elite kind of thing. It seemed to me that they wouldn't have that logo be gold if... Kenny and Kota Ibushi weren't both going to be a part of it. Uh, I think I think what I think is going to happen, Nick, I think Kenny works out some sort of deal where he stays with New Japan because he's way too valuable to New Japan right now. And he, he obviously likes Japan, but he also is able to work for AEW. I think that the people involved are intelligent enough and Kenny is valuable enough to both of them that they're willing to compromise on this kind of a deal. Well, you did write about Wrestle Kingdom and views from the turnbuckle uh, over this month-long absence you've had from the show. What was your takeaway from Wrestle Kingdom? How do you think New Japan did setting the table for 2019? I thought it was a really good show. I thought the the interesting thing uh, outside of the obviously the guys who were in the elite lost. Cody lost. The Young Bucks lost. Hangman lost. Hang, yeah, Hangman and Marty lost, and Kenny lost. Uh, but the other, the flip side of that is that the foreigners who are not associated with the elite did win, right? Jay White got a huge win over Okada. Juice Robinson won his match. Zack Sabre Jr. won his match. Will Ospreay won his match. So I think part of that, the big part of Wrestle Kingdom was setting up the foreign wrestlers who are not associated with, with all elite wrestling or the elite getting big wins and kind of establishing them because moving forward, they're going to need more foreign wrestlers to step up. And those guys that they put over have a lot of talent. So it makes sense to try to put, to to buff those guys up heading into 2019 when you don't know what you're going to be getting out of uh, Kenny or the elite. Yeah. The story for me coming out of wrestle kingdom was bullet club LIJ. You know, they doubled down on those entities and put the titles on them. Uh, I, that to me, I like Bullet Club versus Lij. It's been tried and true for them. Um, I do kind of get the vibe though that American fans are, you know, kind of leaving their their interest in New Japan is is waning right now. Uh, I wonder if if Jay White is going to be able to step up because he looked a little hesitant to me in that match with Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, talking to different people, I feel like I like Jay White more than other people do. Yeah, uh, a lot of people that I talk to, which are American fans don't really think that he has that much charisma, that he's just kind of this overpushed guy that has this gimmick and this outfit and this character, but he's not really there in the ring yet. And I get it. It's not fair for Jay White to be taking over for Kenny Omega. That is an enormous burden for him to, to have to follow. Like, that's a that's a ridiculous person to follow as as the head of Bullet Club. And I do think that at some point... Bullet Club is going to jump the shark and it's going to run 
its course and that it's going to have to evolve into something else. And maybe they are doing that and they're on their way, but it does seem like that era of everyone wearing Bullet Club stuff and, you know, going to these live shows in, in, in America, you know, you go to WWE shows and people wearing Bullet Club stuff. I do feel like that's kind of going away because they just lost so many guys who were so over and popular here in America and in and around the world, really. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think you're right about Jay White in the charisma thing. He just hasn't clicked with me. But to me, the money and the real leader of Bullet Club is Tama Tonga. He, he walks, talk, acts the part. He's willing to get in these social media battles, you know, create interest for himself. Am I wrong to think that this whole Jay White is the leader of Bullet Club thing is a red herring where there's going to be some animosity between him and Tama because Tama seems like the guy who's actually running the show right now? Yeah, it did seem kind of weird that they broke up the Bullet Club and they had this split between the Tongan kind of coalition and then the, the you know, Kenny and the elite. But, and the whole idea was that the Tongans were sick of having a leader and having to deal with all this squabbling. Yeah. But then like a couple of weeks later, Jay White was the leader all of a sudden and he brought in Gato and all of those guys. I, I don't know. I, I like, uh, Tama Tonga's a guy who, I, I like some aspects of him. I think he... He has a really good look. He has he yeah, you're right about like the social media kind of stuff. He does have kind of that kind of grasp. I don't know if he's a main event level performer in New Japan. I just don't know if his ceiling is that high. In you know, like I said, it's really hard to replace Kenny Omega. Like it was going to be when when it, when uh you know, when 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 Prince Devitt left, everyone was like, oh, now they're going to just continue Bullet Club without Prince Devitt? That's ridiculous. And then, oh, well, they replaced him with AJ Styles. Well, you know, it's AJ Styles. He can he can, he can can replace Prince Devitt. And then AJ left, and then Kenny replaced him. And I remember there being a lot of apprehension about Kenny replacing AJ Styles because how do you replace AJ Styles? He's one of the best to ever do it. Well, Kenny proved that he was capable of that. I just don't know with Kenny gone now if Jay White or Tama Tonga is capable of filling that role because, uh, I mean, he's Kenny Omega. He's one of the most talented wrestlers we've we've seen this this millennium. Yeah, no, I, and it's weird to me now looking at that. You know, you talk about these guys. Like AJ Styles came, then he left, and then Kenny came in. I'm not hearing a lot of guys right now that are like, I'm jumping to New Japan. It's like the AEW thing seems to be the place everybody's like, oh, are they going to go there? WWE's making plays. Ring of Honor got PCO and, and Bandito. New Japan, uh, you know, really seems to be rallying around their core talent and trying to make something, make it work that way. Uh, I know it's, I know these talents play differently in Japan than North America. It's just, it's a different strategy. I wonder if it's going to pay off for them not having to open up their pocketbooks and go buy out these big talents that everybody seems to be giving offers to right now. Yeah, well, I definitely think that New Japan's willing to spend money. Right. I don't think that's I don't think that's their problem. I think well, let's look at let's look let's compare them to cuz you mentioned Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Ring of Honor will spend a lot of money and bring in guys like Bandito and Brody King and just the way Ring of Honor is set up, those guys can come in and immediately get really big pushes, and it wouldn't really seem like that big of a deal. In New Japan, unless you are a name like AJ Styles or like Chris Jericho, it takes a while for you to establish yourself and kind of get over with those fans and climb the ladder, so to speak, and become a top star. So I don't know if they can just sign some free agents and hope that they come in and immediately push them into the main event. It's a much slower process. I mean, Jay White started out as a young boy. 
four years ago in New Japan, and you know now you see him and he's 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 wrestling in the co-main or not co- co-main event, but a major match at the Tokyo Dome, and like that's the kind of time it takes to to start from scratch and and, and climb the ladder in New Japan. And I don't know if they can just immediately replace those guys by going out there and signing top talent and signing talent and presenting them as as main event stars. How are you feeling about the New Japan Ring of Honor relationship following the Garden? Because I just did right before we did this, I did Waltman's podcast and Waltman was talking about how he didn't he didn't know that after the Garden, he said it started to feel more like a Ring of Honor show and that the New Japan guys could be feeling left behind. And that maybe that there there may not be a relationship after that show. I, I it was an interesting take. I hadn't heard it put quite like that. I think it's fair to say that Ring of Honor would not have sold out Madison Square Garden without the help of New Japan. Mm-hmm. I think New Japan is taking the Madison Square Garden show very seriously. I think the main event of that show is going to be some form of a major New Japan match. I think. It, if I were to guess right now, I think it would be Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kenny Omega for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. That's what I would actually guess would be the main event of the Madison Square Garden show. But I think it's going to be a major title match. It might be Tanahashi versus Okada or Tanahashi versus Naito or Tanahashi versus Jericho. I think it's definitely going to be one of those things. But I do think that, you know, the guys who are the major players in New Japan start moved to America, moved back to America and started their own separate company. And I do think that that is going to be somewhat attractive to New Japan. I, you know, I really like Ring of Honor. I actually think they've done a really good job, you know, bringing in guys like Pan- Bandito, and they just brought in Roosh from uh, AAA in Mexico. Like, I think they've done a really good job replacing the, the the members of the elite who have left. But I do think that at some point. If AEW is going to catch fire as this new hot product, maybe that's the pe- person, the group you want to align yourself with, or maybe they can do both. We the, that's the thing about this. We really have no idea. We still don't know really know what AEW is going to be. Are they going to have a weekly show in 2019? Are they going to have a TV deal? Are they going to have a, a pay per view every month? We don't know any of this, Nick. Yeah, no, and, and that's the thing. For me, it makes. And again, I'm not close enough to the conversations, but to me, it makes more sense for Ring of Honor and New Japan. To keep working together, they obviously work well together. They've done good business together. I don't know that AEW needs uh, to be working with another promotion because there seems to be so much just interest for who they are. But at the same time, they only have two shows announced in like a nine-month period. These guys got to find something to do with their time. I think there's definitely something to the idea that Kenny Omega is going to want to keep working with New Japan and do AEW. I think that could maybe even have been a negotiating chip that they used on their way out the door to say, hey, we're going to let Kenny keep doing business with you guys while we do our thing over here. Uh, that garden idea is a, is a banger of an idea. Um, so I, I can see while there, why there would be in this moment the desire to want to work with some other entities. You know, they're still letting Joey Janela do spring break and Jericho's going to do his cruise. But, you know, once, that, once when, if that TV deal comes through and they've got a, a, a touring brand and they're doing house shows and stuff, I don't know that they're going to have the quite-so-friendly de- demeanor that they currently have at the moment. Yeah, and then that's that's what it comes down to, right? I think in the Young Bucks and Cody have said this. They want to be friends. They want to work with anyone with everyone. They don't want to be, you know, this this 
start any bitter rivalries with other promotions. But what it comes down to is they are all competing for talent. They're competing to sign the same guys, and they're competing for the the money of of the fans. And when that happens, you do become competition, and there can be animosity between Ring of Honor and All Elite Wrestling and New Japan. So I think the part of part of that, just the aspect of the business, is unavoidable. Well, let's switch territories here. We've talked AEW. We've talked uh, New Japan. Uh, I did tease at the top of this. We were going to talk about the UK scene as well. Uh, your most recent views from the Turnbuckle piece is titled uh, "Glory Days in the UK May Be Coming to an End." You do a great job. Uh, talking about the history of UK wrestling, WWE's placing it right now, how the talent is, is being handled. We could get into all of that, but I'll lead in by saying, where is the UK scene priority-wise in the mix of everything that we've just talked about? I feel like there's so much good stuff going on there right now, but nobody can keep up with it. Yeah, well, I thought it was interesting timing when I released that because, and it, this was unintentional actually, but it was the same day that WWE formally kind of opened up their UK performance center. And obviously they had the the TakeOver UK uh, Blackpool show the next day. And basically it was looking at, you know, how successful the UK independent scene has been over the last few years, how much it's grown, how much uh, talent they've produced. And now it seems like with WWE becoming more involved and to a lesser extent New Japan becoming more involved, where is the wrestling scene headed and is it going to be the same because i i don't think it is going i think wwe has become involved in the uk because they want more money out of the uk scene and if they're getting more of that the, the more of the the pie for lack of a better term in, in the uk the the independent promotions are not getting that kind of revenue and i think it's very interesting to see how this plays out because nick as you know WWE has, an, has announced that their plans are to kind of open these performance centers in different spots all over the globe and run promotions. They want to do NXT Japan, NXT Germany, NXT Mexico, NXT Middle East, all of these different little pockets all over the globe with the idea being that they will control wrestling and the development of wrestling, not just in the United States and Canada, but around the globe. It's a big, it's a tall order. Yes, and it's great bluster to say that. The plan seems to make sense. But, you know, I'm here in Chicago. Uh, Here's an example for you. I love beer. I always bring it back to beer. Uh, Goose Island, when I moved to Chicago, was like the craft beer. Everybody was like, Goose Goose Island, man. You got to get Goose. Goose is so good. Right. They were trying to – they had that field goal promotion over the weekend, right? Uh, yeah. they Yeah, Goose Island was here doing that field goal promotion. And Goose Island, the, the craft beer. Then InBev, which is this giant conglomerate that controls the beer market, bought Goose Island. And now you can get Goose Island on an airplane. You can get mm-hmm. Goose Island anywhere, right? And it doesn't really – I mean, in the craft beer market has exploded so much, it doesn't really feel special anymore. You know, like a Goose Island is just a Goose Island to me. It used to be something way cooler to me. I kind of, I mean, I I see a lot of parallels to the boom of the craft beer industry with what WWE is trying to do here with their localized, globalized expansion, I believe is the phrase they use, is they're going to go in and they're going to try to buy up what is cool in that area, what is working, and, you know, they may see success with it. But I, in these local smaller markets... The entrepreneurial spirit, in my opinion, is always going to be more enticing to the local fans. And so I, I just I, – I know what they're trying to do. I've watched it play out. It, none of these – in the U.K. market is probably where they've tried hardest. But 
it still hasn't bitten me yet. It doesn't feel special or important yet, and I'm waiting for that click to go off where something like this means something to me, and I seek it out. You know, I, it just hasn't resonated with me on that level. Yeah, I mean, the UK fan base for the independence in the UK is. It's not super big because they're you know they're not drawing ten thousand uh, people to different shows, but they're extremely passionate, and these are fans that are willing to spend a lot of money and a lot of time traveling to go to different shows throughout the UK and in Ireland as well. And I think part of that is that it's very enticing that these products are not associated with WWE, that they're so different. And a lot of the promotions, if you watch a UK independent promotion, it's going, it's going to feel a lot different than WWE and WWE coming in. And even if they have the same talent, if they're using the same people on a show that progress was using on their show or, um, you know, OTT in Dublin, were using on their show, even though it's the same names, it might not feel like, the same exact product. And like you see, you made the um, comparison to craft beer. Yeah, you're drinking the same Goose Island, but it doesn't feel special anymore because now it's just another big beer company, right? It's yeah. not that kind of local flavor mm -hmm. that made it exciting in the first place. And I think that's true for a lot of independent wrestling. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, the other thing that I wanted to touch on was uh, when it comes to kind of the rest of these promotions having to go out and find new talent to replace the old talent that was signed by WWE. And I think you're seeing that in the United States right now. Like Nick, if you went to a pro wrestling gorilla show a couple years ago, it would be mostly like big name, independent American talent. It would be guys like Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa and, um, you know, all of these different, these different names, uh, you know, Kevin Steen slash Kevin Owens, uh, Sami Zayn or Al Generico, all these guys. But now if you go to PWG, that talent isn't actually – a lot of their talent isn't coming from the United States. It's coming from Europe. It's coming from Mexico. It's coming from Australia because those independent talent names aren't there anymore because they were signed by bigger companies. And I don't know if the UK can continue to replace the talent that they've lost over the last year to guys signing exclusive WWE deals or WWE deals that allow them to work only for a few promotions. Uh, you knew a, you do a great job in this piece, by the way, breaking down the tiers of kind of contracts that these guys have uh, that are offered and they sign to. So I go check that out on the site. Uh, I do want to close here talking about the UK scene, though, uh, by talking about how big of a deal it is that Walter is finally here in a WWE ring. I thought that his and Pete Dunne's uh, stare down to close uh, the takeover pay-per-view was one of the coolest moments I've seen in WWE definitely this year. Um, I, I just think there's a lot of potential there, and I'm already envisioning Walter out of NXT with a guy like Lesnar or a Braun Strowman. I mean, this guy's a beast. I'm just a big fan, you know. Yeah, you know what? It speaks to 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 the development of wrestling, uh, in like streaming services and social media, and how that's influenced. Because Walter had never wrestled in WWE before, yet he comes out on a WWE show and all of the fans know who he is. They all are singing his theme song and he just comes across as such a super big star and he never set foot in WWE and he wasn't on television, you know, in the UK all the time, the way a WWE wrestler would be. And I think that speaks to the, again, like the popularity of independent wrestling in the UK and around the world that fans like i you know me and you nick know this guy that this austrian wrestler that was wrestling primarily in germany and now we're like hey this random guy 
that's wrestling on this this far corner of the world is we want to see him wrestle Brock Lesnar. And I think that that's, that's a, you know, a big development in wrestling over the last few years. Yeah. Uh, strike while the iron is hot and grab the draws while you can. There is a land grab going on in pro wrestling. Uh, Jesse, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I look forward. We're going to be airing this uh, Views from the Turnbuckle segment every Thursday since there's three Winklies now, a Tuesday, Wednesday, and a Thursday. So people will get to, to wrap up their wink uh, with you and I. So what do you have uh, planned for this Friday's Views from the Turnbuckle piece? Yeah, it's kind of similar to what we're talking about with like the NXT global domination. I'm looking at, you know, NXT in the US and kind of comparing the NXT brand, you know, the television show and the the main touring group with the Performance Center, which is this I think people have a hard time separating like the NXT talent with the people that WWE is actually teaching to wrestle and kind of looking at how that uh impacts the company and how that's going to impact the company moving forward as they open up these performance centers now in the uk but also all over the world cool and where do you want to send people to find you on twitter yeah you can find me on twitter it's my own name it's j-e-s-s-e-c-o-l-l-i-n-g-s that's at jesse collins and thank you so much if you are watching us live here on youtube you missed it you got to go over to wrestling inc audio over on itunes to get those interviews the full podcast the audio podcast has so much more than just justin and i talking news and in fact on that note you know i'm going to throw in just a little bit more bonus audio for you guys on the podcast stream right now before justin and i close it down today here are the acceptance speeches from tessa blanchard and lax for their year-end wrestling inc impact wrestlers of the year awards Tessa Blanchard, congratulations. It's voted on by the fans of WrestlingInc.com. You are the Impact Wrestling Knockout of the Year. Congratulations. This plaque is for you. Thank to you. To add to your many accolades. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say on behalf of accepting this award? Uh, thank you. It's an honor. Um, I'm not really surprised. I came into Impact and I ran through the entire Knockouts locker room just like I said I would. Um, Taya Valkyrie, who's the champion now, is only deemed relevant because of who she was in the ring with last night. Uh, I'm about to head back over to the arena soon and handle some business because I'm pretty ticked off about last night. But honestly, even though I don't, I'm not the champion now. I am still wrestler of the year. And come on, hold it up. Yeah. Photo right there. Awesome. Thank you. Right here for the Wrestling Inc. Awards for Tag Team of the Year as voted on by all of the great fans at WrestlingInc.com. We have our Tag Team of the Year is LAX, Impact Wrestling Tag Team of the Year. Santana, Ortiz, and K-Dog Conan. Unlike, I don't want to say it because she's right there. Unlike Tessa, they did successfully defend their titles last night. Still the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champions. One for you. Congratulations. Wow, it is a real pleasure here, guys. Come on in here. I'm really excited to just get our own. Yeah, it is. You know, I thought we were going to have to fight for one. Well, I thought it was going to be kind of like a divorce settlement. You know, some of you get the plaque some days, the others get the plaque the other day. But you all get your own plaques. Is there anything you guys would like to say uh, on behalf of uh, winning this award, Conan? I would like to humbly, I'm very humble, as you know, and say that I knew we were going to win this. I'm glad we did. They deserve it. You know, the, the first LAX, Homicide and Hernandez, you know, they made history. They were great to work with. These guys are the future, the present. 
and it's a beautiful thing to, to get to work with you guys every week. Yeah, bro, we're like, it's, it's humbling, it's surreal, you know, we're, we're just two Spanish kids from New York City that, you know, we, we had a dream, and we had the, the balls to chase it, and here we are, and with hard work, and, you know, we make it happen, so, thank you guys. Beautiful people! <laughs> and that's it, all the exclusive audio is done, isn't that, Justin, wow, what a, what a jam-packed show we had to close out the week here on Thursday. Thanks, man, I had a great time with you today. It's a good. It's, that's always fun. We'll do it again next week. I feel like I, I felt like that. Sound, it sounded insincere the way I said that. Oh, oh, it's great. No, I really did. This is, <laughs> this is fun. I like talking with you about wrestling, Justin. So it's it's easy to do. Uh, we've had a full week here. If you want to go back and listen to the other Winklies, we had interviews this week with Gold Dust and DDP. Uh, both great. Go get DDP's uh, book right now. It is available on shelves. Uh, treat yourself a little bit better. Give yourself some inspiration. Uh, tomorrow is Friday on Wrestling Inc. Uh, our one of our newest contributors, Scott Fishman, sat down with Aston Schuyler, who was in Pitch Perfect with Lana for an interview. Uh, it's a new series that Scott's going to be doing for the site called One of Us, where he talks to people that aren't wrestlers, but are known people that are wrestling fans about their fandom. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Scott's a great guy. Look forward to hearing what Aston said. Uh, if you want to come party with me in Chicago for the Royal Rumble, I'll be at Duffy's Tavern and Grill. It's a free party, over 50 flat-screen HD TVs. We're going to be giving out prizes, Wrestling Inc. t-shirts, all kinds of stuff. Come hang out with me. Uh, and uh, lastly here next week, uh, wait, I got, well, I got two things here. Next week, we're going to be running a contest with Fun.com where you guys can win $100 gift cards to go buy some or go get some free swag from Fun.com. Uh, we're going to release all the rules next week, but I will say if you want to have a leg up, Follow us on Twitter right now. That will be part of the contest. So go ahead and follow Wrestling Inc. over on Twitter. Tomorrow night is going to be Impact Wrestling, uh, their latest show on Pursuit. And next week, of course, is the build to the Royal Rumble. So stay tuned to Wrestling Inc. for all things that. Justin, what do you want to say to the people? Where do you want to send them to find you, follow you? What do you want to promote to wrap up here today? Uh, at Justin Lamar on Twitter. Uh, my podcast, Wrestling Reality, presented by Ticket King. A new episode, new episode came out Thursday morning. That's uh, available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all those good places. Uh, this Saturday, if you're in the Pittsburgh area, IWC Wrestling, we have one of our biggest shows. It's called the uh, Reloaded, where most matches are kind of a surprise. Reset button, who's going to show up? Kurt Angle is uh, scheduled to appear. Uh, I'm sure you'll get a lot of other surprises. So um, I think there are still a few general admission tickets remaining for that. So you can check out IWCWrestling.com. And uh, next week on Wrestling Reality, I will have uh, an interview with Dr. Brick Baker from uh, All Elite Wrestling. All so, right. A lot of stuff going on. You gonna talk to her about the awkwardness about how they killed her boyfriend, Adam Cole? <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see where the we'll see where the, the chat steers to. There's got to be some tension there. I mean, she took the money, but she knows that these people murdered her boyfriend, <laughs> and that's that's a rough, it's a rough, uh, rough paycheck to take. Uh, I will also say uh, real quickly before we wrap up, I want to thank Sean X Pac Waltman. If you didn't check it out, I was uh, one of the guests on Sean Waltman's podcast this week. Always fun talking to Sean. He always seems to bring up how uh, he always seems to bring up his uh, his dick. I don't know how else to say it. He always brings up his dick to me. He always makes me talk about his dick. That's how we started the podcast. We also talk some wrestling stuff. But uh, what a what an interesting cat that Sean Waltman is. So go check out that podcast. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in Tuesday through Thursday live here, noon Eastern, Winkly. Check us out. I'm Nick Hausman at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.